Welcome back, Patrick, to When Pigs Fly. We are a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Allie Martin. And I'm your other co-host, Patrick, if you've forgotten. And thank you, Allie, for reminding me what we like to talk about. (laughs) Yes, Patrick. Well, first of all, welcome back. We missed you last week. Yes, I missed you too. Missed the listeners as well. Yes. And this week and on this episode today, we actually have a four-way conversation between myself, Patrick, Kate Gilpin, and Steve Flaherty. Now, Steve Flaherty, he is the founder and CEO of Nico tech, which they work with advanced asphalt repair technology, and they specifically work with the Department of Defense or DOD. So you're probably going to hear us say that quite a bit um, in the Air Force and the military. And then Kate Gilpin, she is a scientist, a researcher. She too has served in the military. She has an academic background. She's a doctor of philosophy and neuroscience. She is very, very smart. (laughs) But she is, yeah, she has done it all. And she is specifically with Parallax Advanced Research And Parallax is a 501c3 nonprofit that tackles global challenges by accelerating innovation and developing technology and solutions through strategic partnerships with government, industry, and academia across Ohio and the nation. I definitely think a program like this is definitely good to help understand all the different acronyms and forms and what are they looking for in an application. Uh, it can only help entrepreneurs and researchers get their products further along and hopefully eventually com- fully commercialized and into our hands, Ali. Yeah, well, and also this will be an interesting conversation because I think it's highlighting a different avenue and a different path for not only researchers, but also entrepreneurs who might want to not necessarily just pursue the private space. So on that note, I think we should bring them in. Let's do it. Okay, this is a fun one because we have four of us total on this podcast today. It is a party today. So Kate, Steve, welcome to When Pigs Fly. Now, Kate, you are more of the representation of Apex. Steve, you are with Nicotech. Now, right off the bat, let's have you each one at a time explain what Apex is and then what Nicotech is. Great. Yeah, thank you so much. It is a real pleasure to be here with you today. APEX stands for Academic Partnership Engagement Experiment, and we are a partnership intermediary, so PIA, PIA, for the Department of the Air Force, which means we are an Air Force-wide asset as well as a Space Force-wide asset. And in the role of a partnership intermediary, we help bridge the gap between the small businesses and university entrepreneurs and the Air Force or the Space Force stakeholders, and we we can serve as a steady bridge, if you will, between those two sets of people. Okay, awesome. And then, so Steve, where does this where does this lead you? How do you come into play? Yeah, so um, so we're actually, I guess, a, a client, if you will, of Apex. So they helped us with our uh, contracts uh, that we've been doing with the Air Force. So we're an entrepreneurial company, uh, startup out of Delaware, Ohio, focused on sustainable infrastructure technologies. So reutilizing waste materials and putting that back into infrastructure and then having advanced technologies for kind of like the, the civil engineering side of things. So 
Apex was critical in helping us find the Air Force as a both a funding mechanism, but a test bed for the innovation to occur. Now, was this a path that you were aware of prior? Did you have a vision to work and be a part with the Air Force? Or was this, did you find out about Apex and then the Air Force aspect came afterwards? Yeah, so we found the AFWORKS program, which is one of the things that the Air Force, it's their kind of innovation wing, if you will. They kind of created their own unit inside the Air Force that is still part of the big Air Force and part of the traditional sitter world, but they do contracting a little bit differently so that they can rapidly get innovation. So quite contrary, I probably would have never wanted to work with the DOD just because <laughs> stereotype, you're like, okay, they're big, they're bureaucratic. It's like the slowest moving you know, animal out there, right? So as a startup, like there's one, there's no way I can ever get in. And two, like uh, I'd have to have a whole department just to deal with them, right? So we found the AFWORKS program and then came across Apex through an introduction with one of the companies that we're in the cohort with out of state, by the way, Apex is in Ohio. We had somebody from West Virginia introduce us to Apex. So it took literally somebody from out of state to introduce me to my neighbor. That's great. So that actually brings up a good point. Kate, can you explain your reach to our audience? So clearly it sounds like you're even outside of Ohio. Sure, absolutely. We are a national program and we have university and small business entrepreneur connections around the country. And that's really been one of the best things we've seen come out of this past year where we, of course, all were dealing with the COVID pandemic. We were able to connect university and small business entrepreneurs from across the country. And ordinarily, universities, let's say in California, wouldn't wouldn't be able to connect with a small business in Massachusetts, for example, or or vice versa. And our matchmaking program and the national reach we have built up over the past year and a half really helped both sides of, of the partnership, the small businesses and the universities, connect with each other because we had uh, built up the national network, all really in an attempt to bring the most innovative innovators into the Department of the Air Force fold, right? We, they, we wanted to get the small business entrepreneurs and the university entrepreneurs from across the country into the technology ecosystem for the Air Force to ultimately help the warfighter, right? Get the right technology in the hands of the right warfighter. Let's talk about this a little bit more because it seems to be there's a need for what you guys are doing. So let's elaborate on that as to how you might be filling those gaps and those challenges with Apex and and how you're working with the educational side as well as small the small business side. Sure. So we have multiple programs within Apex where we help educate the universities and the small businesses. Probably the one of the most popular services we offer is something called process navigation. And we take the entrepreneurs from the small businesses or the universities, and we help them through the SBIR STTR process. We do that through a series of different cohorts, and we have different cohorts set up and designed to help the entrepreneurs at the different stages that they're in. So we have cohorts for pre-award support. These are for people who are seeking a phase one award. Then we have cohorts for people seeking phase two and and phase three. And so 
we can educate them through that avenue where we will offer a series of five lectures every cohort. And these are things like how to write a cost volume or how to write for the DOD because it's very different from NSF or NIH. And that commonly is, is something we see academics very well-versed in. They know how to write for the NIH, they know how to write for NSF, but they don't necessarily know how to write for the DOD. And so we can help guide them through that. So that's one way, is through our process navigation services. Then the other way is through APEX's education and training arm. We have a Parallax Learning Hub and a massive open online course that where we have training modules up on our website. People can take those training modules at their convenience, at their leisure, at, you know, from their own home, from their work, wherever they are. You could listen to it driving in a car. And so in this way, they are able to learn at their own pace and they can go back and refer to it as necessary to get the right answers. And we have we have built out that Parallax Learning Hub in conjunction with the Air Force Small Business Office. That's just one other way where we can help educate both the academic entrepreneur and the small business entrepreneur. So I Kate loved the description of the programming. Now Steve would love to hear that from your perspective now. Like which parts that you enjoyed and found most helpful to you to kind of navigate these kind of, you know, confusing waters. Yeah. Well, and I think they've even evolved, you know, since we've been, you know, first introduced, right? They've, mm. they've added more resources and tools, but that's where I really kind of look at it is navigating the, the different tools and resources that they have to then translate uh, alphabet soup, you know, from the Air Force uh, <laughs> that we see a lot of the times that, you know, we don't understand the process and, and the way that things are, are done, uh, the way contracting set up, the way the indirect direct, you know, budgets are, are put together is somewhat standard, but also unique to DOD structure, right? So being able to translate what we have as a technology and how that is implemented into the Air Force and then the programs that are set to, you know, phase through the, the transition of that, right? You don't just go say, hey, Mr. Air Force, I've got this product. How many widgets do you want to buy? Right. Um, a lot of it's prototyped and understanding that military grade is a little bit different than commercial grade. And how do we find the the person that is the end user at the you know base? Right. Because usually the, the end user and the person cutting the check aren't always the same people. So um, navigating that process is, you know, the, the tools and resources that uh, Apex brought to the table to help us. So, Kate. From your perspective, right, so with Apex, what are the biggest challenges that the businesses are facing and academia is facing? From the small business perspective, like Steve was saying, the alphabet soup continues to be a challenge. People, we hear that very frequently, where people outside the DOD are trying to get a foot inside the DOD and just struggle with the acronyms. The DOD, of course, is well known for its acronyms, and uh, they are there are there are thousands of acronyms, and so it can be even it can be difficult even for those of us with extensive military experience or you know extensive experience within the DOD to to know what all of them mean. So that's definitely one challenge, and Apex can help with that. So fortunately, there is a solution to that problem. 
from the academic perspective, one of the biggest challenges they face is that they cannot participate in the SBIR, STTR program without a small business. And so sometimes the academic has developed a technology and they are interested in commercializing it, but perhaps they themselves don't have the time or the money to commercialize it because they are focused on on their research that they're doing. And so they're looking for a small business partner to help them commercialize the technology. And Apex can help with that in terms of matchmaking, but there's still a challenge there for the academic to go find a small business that's interested in commercializing that technology. And so those are probably uh, two of the biggest challenges we see from both sides of the coin. Just personally, having worked with startups, why aren't academics going out and about starting their own, you know, startup or small business and then versus, you know, partnering? Like, what's the benefit of partnering versus starting their own? I think it honestly really depends on the personality of Mm. the academic. In some situations, the academic is starting their own business and they are starting a spin out from the university. And that's, that's excellent. In other situations, the academic is more focused on doing their research. And typically, the academic goes into academia because they want to do bench research. They That's what they like. That's what they've been trained to do. So sometimes they just don't have the inclination to commercialize. Even in the situations where they do have an inclination to commercialize or they've, they've brought their technology to the tech transfer office, let's say, of the university, they might not have the money to do so because their grants from NIH or NSF or any number of places are limited to the research that they that they have proposed that they will do. And so right. it can be difficult for them to be able to find the time or the money to commercialize the technology that they've developed just because they are constrained with the, the research that they're doing and then the grants that they have uh, to do that research with. So what is the time typically do you see people approaching Apex, whether it's on the academic side or the small business side to say, hey, we need help? Is this while something is already in development or is this pre-development on both ends? To date, the most common time when somebody approaches Apex is before they've won an SBIR or STTR award. And so usually it's early stage companies that will come to Apex asking for our help. Steve, when did you realize that you were like, hey, I need some help with uh, this process? (laughs) Yeah, so we had actually already submitted and won our phase one. We were Mm -hmm. in the middle of it. And as I said, one of the other people that were in that cohort with us, so one of the other 100 plus companies or whatever that were in the phase one with us was like, hey, um, I'm pretty sure that you should get introduced to this Apex thing. They helped us develop our phase one proposal and everything. I'm like, you had help? And like, um, so, you know, I, we, we did it on our own. And so they, we got introduced to them, started talking to them, and then literally found out that one of their people that work in Apex was literally my neighbor, like next door to one of the guys that we worked with as an advisor. And so that's where they were, we were in the phase of submitting our phase two which, you know, phase one is a concept, right? Phase two, you start to really put brass tacks down and this is how much it's going to cost and we're going to have all this. 
and, and it's like unlike a budget that I've ever, you know, built. Um, you know, I mean, it's essentially a balance sheet, you know, type build, but it's different, right? It's got it's got a little different undertone, and your profits different, and um, what you're allowed to put on there is different. And so that's where they helped us in the submission of our phase two. And then they also we had a chance. We were actually part of the AFWorks challenge as well. And that's where I had sent an email to them because we got an offer to submit a proposal for a contract. And I had no idea what I was supposed to send in. Like, am I sending an Excel sheet? Uh, do I PDF this thing? And so I literally messaged one of the, the people with Apex and said, urgent help needed, guide me. Like, and like, so he responded like that, that night or whatever when we put together the proposal because uh, the Air Force, you know, when they asked for a proposal, they say, they sent it to me at 6 p.m. my time. They were in, uh, central time so it's only 5 p.m their time to be fair but and they said we need this back by noon tomorrow and i'm like uh, oh, oh what <laughs> so yeah so apex was critical in us uh helping deliver that proposal and then also getting us our phase two which is you know a five hundred thousand dollar investment of non-dilutive funds which you guys well know goes a long way in a uh, startup world can i just further ask about that you know why go after these grants versus other grants or let's say other types of investment or monetary i guess incentives yeah so for us the afwork side they're actually technically not grants they're actually firm fixed price okay. sales contracts that's how they bypass some of the bureaucratic red tape that exists with traditional silver sitter grants so for us it was nice as a startup to have that as a revenue-based contract um, it's a milestone achievement process, so it's a 15-month contract to do a set scope of work. You know, if you think about it, like if I go to the private industry, I've usually had to build my MVP prototype, and I can maybe get a letter of intent and say, hey, here's what the widget will do. This isn't its final production thing, but we've, we've engineered what it'll look like. Here's the schematic of the the widget and can I get a letter of intent to purchase a thousand units so I can go put the deposit down and manufacture, right? The DOD is quite different in the fact that they will take the and fund the prototype development and or the proof of concept to show that how it would service a military need and also have a non-military market presence as well. So it truly gave us a innovation funding with non-dilutive capital. So, cause you're still de-risking technology so that's the most expensive capital to take is when you're de-risking. And then also gave us a test bed with a beta customer that honestly, now that we're in it, if you think about the market signaling that can happen with the DOD as your first primary customer. So for us, we're in the asphalt, concrete infrastructure world. And so when I go to the non-military customers, they're like, I don't know, we get some pretty big semi-trucks and other stuff around here. Can you handle that? We're like, well, we're testing it with fighter jets. Um, does that, you know, do you have anything bigger than that? And so it, it, it gives that that validity, right? So it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, if you're military grade, then you can handle us too. So that's become the exciting factor of, and so now we've, we've gone on to win two more contracts, have two more in the hopper that were awaiting decisions and have won, uh, we had four technologies accepted in the last efforts challenge out of the top 30 innovations for the Air Force. So we are hook, line, and sinkered. We just won the uh, the next round of the X-Tech search with the Army 
Um, so so many yeah, we're, <laughs> we're building inside the DOD and then spinning out to the non-military. I love that. I love that. Kate, do you have an opinion about, you know, taking the SBIR, STTR grants per se in the AFWorks, you know, money versus, you know, just traditional private, you know, funds? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think Steve hit the hit the nail on the head uh, with with his answer. The only thing I could add would be that there is an opportunity for small business and university entrepreneurs to give back in a way because if mm. they have developed a technology that could make a warfighter, in this case an airman's life life better or safer or could make their job more efficient, right? That is in itself its own reward. So I think that is. Yeah is one reason why we see a lot of people coming to the SBIR, STTR program through the Department of the Defense, because, because there, is, there is a way for them to help the warfighter and keep everybody safe. So what is that really that like big heavy hitter one thing that you want to tell people who are entrepreneurs or in academia about APEX? So the one thing I'd like people to know about APEX is that as a, an Air Force partnership intermediary, we help build the collaborations between universities and small businesses and the government, in this case, Air Force stakeholders. And we are able to help accelerate that technology transition from the entrepreneur to the Department of Defense stakeholder. The Air Force will post various topics that they're interested in, and they range from everything from hypersonics to biotechnology to cyber warfare, of course. And so we help all of those companies. So if there is an Air Force requirement or there's an Air Force area of interest, we are more than willing and more than capable of helping all the companies that are interested in those, in those topics. And is this when you also push and for like push a little bit more into the academia side as well too? Because I am I imagine the research needs to get going too. If the Air Force says, "Hey, we have this problem and we're looking for a solution, we're not really sure where to start," and is it kind of coming on both sides as to trying to work together to figure that out? Even though you might not ho- know who that entrepreneur is yet, to partner with those who are doing research. Yes, exactly. So the beauty of academia is that they're doing basic research that hopefully will translate into applied research a few years down the road. And that applied research can come into the Department of the Air Force technology ecosystem, right? Mm. And so there is definitely an aspect of, of tech push and tech pull. We have a robust data analytics capability that can help with with both sides of that coin. But in terms of reaching out to the academics, our data analytics have has the capability of pinpointing the researchers that are doing research in an area of interest for the Air Force or who are doing research in with a technology that the Air Force could be interested in down the road. And so both of those capabilities are are resident within our data analytics team. And we we can certainly do that from both the tech push and the tech pull angle. Yes. I would like to kind of you know, switch gears here. And Steve, talk about your technology uh, a little bit more. Uh, you don't obviously can't get into everything. But you know, what other, I guess, industries have you realized that your technology could, you know, go into besides working with the military post, I guess, working with Apex? So yeah, our, our technology was originally, you know, developed for asphalt. 
So our primary start was recycling plastic waste into hot mix asphalt. Asphalt's one of those things that it's not very sexy, but it is easy to understand. So it's not rocket science and it's everywhere. That has since evolved to advanced robotics with asphalt technologies. So the maintenance and repair aspect, how can we automate those processes to make it easier both in the military, but then again, anything we do, everybody owns pavement. And then we've gotten into the uh, sustainable concrete side of things. Asphalt and concrete kind of go hand in hand, but through our waste recovery process, we've found that, you know, we can take waste materials and upcycle them or create circular economies inside of you know, commodity markets, but then also infrastructure. If you're going to solve the waste problem, it's a massive problem, then you need to have a massive market for the material to go into. Mm-hmm. And infrastructure is measured in T's, not B's. So it, it truly is a, presents a huge opportunity to reuse waste materials and then also We've gotten into that advanced uh, repair, more sustainable navigation of repair replacement. And my next question would be, do you think working with the military has helped you further, you know, get private monies or make those sales further down the line? Oh, without a doubt. What the military has effectively allowed us to do, because customer acquisition is probably one of the hardest things to do, right? So when you have an audience and when you can genuinely go in and find out their problems and solve for those problems and then bring them more than one tool. So what we're effectively delivering is a tool belt instead of a hammer. Right. So we've got a hammer. I've got a hammer that also hit the nail you know, automatically itself. I've got a screwdriver. I've got a plier. So that's what we've been able to effectively do. If you look at it, we now are essentially building three startups under one umbrella. So outside looking in, it looks like, you know, we're boiling the ocean and I wouldn't suggest, you know, everybody try to tackle everything that we're doing. It is good to specialize, but because we have the active audience and because it's such a unique, you know, the civil engineering market, you know, asphalt, concrete, they're both pavement, they're both structural, they're both foundationary, and they're both used by the the Air Force. And then the cool thing is Army, Federal Highway, you know, Department of Transportation, Navy, Marines, they all have pavement, they all have infrastructure. And so we've got plenty of markets inside the DOD. And then translates out to the non-military. Do you think it's hindered you from taking on any private investment? Previously on our show, we've t- I talked about venture capital and private equity, and they are very uh, risk averse, <laughs> let's say. And so do you think you know that's kind of shunned a few in- potential investors t- away? Well, I can tell you, I have turned down all of our investments to this day. So we are completely non-dilutive, capitally funded. We are going out for our first raise, but we're doing it unconventionally just from, I I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. I help advise a lot of entrepreneurs. I teach Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship at Ohio Wesleyan University. I help run the Delaware Entrepreneurial Center here. And the one thing that I get is like, well, if I don't get venture capital, I'm dead. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that that is the mantra that has to be out there, right? There are other ways. There are ways that you can think of alternative capital. We've been able to do that. And so then we're um, going out for a crowd equity so that the people that uh, have supported us over the years, um, basically I've got a bunch of debts that I can't repay and advice and olive branches that have been given. Here's a way for them to get paid back and you know build off of our success. But also that, that personal challenge to show people that there are possibilities out there to build a company without having to take the big, you know, VC check, you know, all or nothing, right? 
Now we will use VC capital. And the cool thing that I think is worth mentioning along with this uh, DOD thing, you know, I saw big checks getting written in these strat fi, tac fi things. And I'm like, where are those? Like it was in the DOD programs. I'm like, how do you, I get one of those? And then after we got in 90 days into our phase two, we get a notice that you are now eligible for the tac fi, strat fi funding. What that is, is almost like a bridge capital to contract to further develop it where you can bring in outside capital and the DOD will match it because it's contributing to that, that problem set or that warfighter need. Um, so now I'm stretching the private capital that I take and basically doubling down. And so I can turn, you know, 2 million into, or well, 1 million into 2 million, uh, 5 million into 10 million because they've got different amounts of levels with the TACFI stratfi. So that's truly been eye-opening to what the DOD can do and help fund um, and how, and now they've got a whole set of venture capital that are mm-hmm. taking note that, you know what, we used to say that it wasn't good for a startup to work with the government. Yeah. Now here's a path to how they can work with the government and actually succeed. So with that said, Steve, I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, if if an entrepreneur is looking to, to pave their way, the way that you have done, <laughs> what advice can you give to them? I think that it, is absolutely worth a glance to look at what the the DOD, particularly the Air Force, you know, through the AFWorks program, as uh, uh, Kathleen had mentioned, you know, there there are those topics that are put out, right? Here's the problems that we're seeking solutions to. You can respond to those, you know, if you have the next best propulsion system for, you know, jet engine aircraft, then yeah, submit to the propulsion system for jet engine aircrafts. But what they also did, the biggest catalyst and game changer I think that AFWorks is doing is the open topic. So instead of, hey, we only know what our own problems are and nothing else could could matter to us, it's quite the opposite is, hey, we don't know what we don't know, so tell us what you have and how can it help supplement a warfighter need? And I also think it's worth mentioning that, you know, we think of the Air Force as weaponized systems and flight and, you know, oh, airports and all that, right? We don't think, you know, about that's only 10% maybe of what the Air Force actually does, right? So at the end of the day, there's almost 700,000 people that work in the Air Force. Each base is almost like its own operating city made to be self-sustaining and everything else. So they deal with the same problems of water electric, utilities, infrastructure, human management, right? Software solutions, you know, HVAC solutions for all their buildings, you know, exterior compounds. I've seen a fertility treatment get a multi-million dollar SIBR contract because it is something that airmen and airwomen face, right? They, they are literally families living on a city. And so they're dealing with the same stuff that a city would deal with. So if you think about it from that perspective, it's worth a glance to see. The most important thing is that it solves a warfighter need and a military problem, but it's way more than you think about with military problems. And then that it also has a non-military market to compensate because at the end of the day, the Cibber Sitter dollars are coming from taxpayers. So the federal government um, and Congress, when they set up the program, has a dual role to both contribute to our DOD and defense needs, but to give back to the American people solutions of technology and innovation. 
if there is one thing that you could change about the complex process of working with the military, what would it be? And it, you know, it could be something as complex or something small. Maybe it's something that, you know, local people who listen to this podcast could champion within uh, their, you know, amongst their own friends and family. Yeah. I mean, it quite honestly has been a very easy process for us. Uh, Like once we've gotten in and learned, we're, like I said, hook, line, sinker. Like we love it. It is difficult to navigate the terrain, right? Like who, I know that the Air Force has runways. I know that they have the problems that I'm solving, but who, who do I contact, right? And it's not so much like you call up Wright Patterson Air Force Base and be like, can I talk to the guy in charge of your runways? Like that, that's not as easy on that side. So, you know, how do, how do we do that? So the, the matchmaking and the finding of the end user for the person that's actually going to give you thought leadership and that you're not going to disrupt, you know, national defense, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. their their goal isn't to bring in, you know, the latest technology at this. I mean, they, they're looking, but at the same time, they've got a job and a duty, you know, of day-to-day mm-hmm. performance that they got to, you know, do. So um, that's the only piece. I think everybody will say that, you know, is how do I find, like, I think it's like asked in every single weekly cohort on the apex, you know, calls or whatever. How do I find, you know, my sponsor for the MOU, you know, which is the memorandum of understanding that you have to get in in order to move to a phase two. So it's probably the number one asked thing. Kathleen, you may have some insight into that, but I think that's the the one thing everybody wants to change. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Apex exists to help break down barriers to entry. And so I think Hmm. that's one way to do that would be to to work with Apex through the cohorts. But we've also helped develop a website called Air Force and Space Force Tech Connect. And it is for both the Air Force and the Space Force. And this is a really great way for people to submit their ideas to the Air Force and the Space Force. And they will there there are representatives from the Air Force and Space Force who will take that idea and forward it to a technical point of contact, a TPOC. And this is a really great way for people to to get their idea into the ecosystem and hopefully receive feedback on it. And so if there's one thing I could change, it would be that that more people knew about the Tech Connect website and yeah. uh, were, were, were able to, to use it to get their idea. Already breaking down some existing people. barriers. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Well, and so with that said, since we're talking about where can people go to find more information, uh, Steve and Kate, can you guys uh, give us that final call to action for our listeners as to where, where people need to go to find more information on both your ends? Yeah, sure. So for, for Nico Tech, uh, you can simply go to Nico Tech usa.com we'll be going out on the WeFunder platform soon for the the crowd uh funding i can't really say any more than that that you you have to under sec law we're in the testing the waters campaign so um all the deal terms and everything will be put on WeFunder. uh so pretty soon you'll be able to search us on WeFunder. but you know the typical social media is you can look us up i'm, I'm pretty easy to find i think out there on LinkedIn and such. So happy to chat. And any entrepreneur that wants to go through the program, I'm happy to help consult. We've set up a a whole program at Ohio Wesleyan around the AFWorks program to help other companies go through and have helped, I think, six other companies get contracts. So we we truly, with each one, teach one type thing. And with that, just touching real quick on the last thing uh, or the conversation earlier, the entrepreneur doesn't have to have their own idea, right? This is where the academia comes in, is go find the technology at the universities in the technology transfer office that solves a military need 
and then commercialize that. Focus on the business end. A bit, an idea is only 5% of a company on any given day, right? It's, it takes all the things that you have to build around it to, to have success. So, you know, you can take your own side, own ideas in, mm-hmm. but you can also go find academia ideas that apply to the, the, the DOD. So entrepreneurs that are, you know, wanting to start a business but don't know what to start, maybe that's a great first step. So I love that, Steve. Love that, Steve. Kate, we'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, you can you can definitely find us on uh, social media as well. And so look us up on uh, LinkedIn under Apex and Academic Partnership Engagement Experiment. And then the the best way to contact us is through our website, which is Apex dash or hyphen innovates.org. And this is where you can sign up for an Apex newsletter and uh, get all the the latest happenings about what's happening within Apex and, and, and Parallax Advanced Research, really. So I would definitely encourage people to check that out. If what you've heard about Apex so far is of interest to you and you're a small business entrepreneur or a university entrepreneur, then by all means, feel free to sign up for a cohort. And that can be found under, again, on our website, and it's under a services tab called Cyber Sitter Process Navigation. So it'll take you to a website where you can sign up for either matchmaking or one of the cohorts that we offer. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kate, Steve, we really appreciate you taking the time today. And I think our listeners are are definitely going to take something new that they have not heard thus far on this podcast and hopefully a different perspective and maybe a different route if they're looking to pursue entrepreneurship. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation, Patrick, because I don't know about you, but this is definitely a community sphere environment that is foreign territory to me. I mean, I think for a lot of people too, right? Having worked with startups, I've definitely learned a lot during that conversation. I thought very surface level, you know, the NSF grant, the SBIR, STTR grant was like the only avenue that people can get involved in. But clearly there are programs like Apex available that, you know, could help them go through, through these processes and then make additional introductions into working with the military. Yeah, because that's what Steve said from Nicotech. How do I get in, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the number one that's question. question. <laughs> How do I get in? But then that circles back, which Kate said that really, I, I it still stands with me, that tech push and that mm. tech pull. So Steve is over here of like, hey, I have this idea, knock, knock, how do I get in? And then Apex is kind of that middle ground of, okay, let's pull you in. But then there's also the research element of let's push you out. And they're going to be the adversary working with directly with the Air Force from another direction when mm. they're saying, okay, we have these problems now between the tech push and the tech pull, let's all work together. And it's kind of like a three-way seesaw of some sort. And uh, <laughs> Apex is, is just working in between them all and, and getting them all on the same page and collaborating together, which is cool. Which is definitely needed because like like you said, that and Steve said, the big question, what do I do to work with them? My biggest takeaway, I guess, our favorite points that were made were both by Kate and Steve was they always feel a patriotic duty, I guess, in the sense of working with the military to develop out new technologies, but also their businesses, which... I think is a really cool thing that maybe entrepreneurs can think about. I mean, a lot of our biggest 
technologies that we have today do come from military funding. Look at looking at you, Velcro. Um, <laughs> you know that was developed in NASA for you know sp- space suits. So also you know the Air Force. So you know things like technologies that affect our everyday lives are consistently being developed out of you know military technology and investment. So you know I really love that perspective of the patriotic duty. Because even though Steve's like, well, asphalt isn't sexy, which it's not. <laughs> It's a must. And we don't think it's truly, it's something that we don't think about every Mm -hmm. day. And then he's also able to pivot more into the private world uh, if he wants to. So we'll see where the future. Do you think he can uh, help fill the potholes on 75? Oh my God. (laughs) No, because that goes into the center of the, uh, into the center of the universe, those potholes on 75. And I'm going to leave on this. I'm switching gears a little bit because this is my last final thought on this. And it comes more from, the academia side, because we've had a couple of conversations in previous podcasts about how you could be researching, 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 and you don't really know what all this research is for, but you're mm-hmm. finding all your, you're, you're, you're combining all this data and trying to come up with a solution for something. But this actually seems to be a way that you can research, but then also find an efficient and effective way to have something produced and then partner with the other side of the, mm. uh, the entrepreneurial side who pro- who thinks about business a little bit differently yeah. and and to create something great. So I, I just think that's cool because you're working with very different types of people. I know. I love that because I think there's a lot of cool technologies in academia right now and ideas, and I don't think that they get out there enough to be commercialized. So this is a really good first step to, you know, go go towards commercialization because you can work with the military as one of your first customers and then eventually go work 75? with private clients. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, if you're listening, that's going to be your next task. That's going to be your next task. Pave the way of 75. <laughs> well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap this up, Patrick. Yes. So time for our call to action since we gave Steve his call to action. Go check us out at whenpigsfly.fm. There you can find where our podcast is located, which is pretty much everywhere. Uh, Go download, subscribe, give us your feedback. You will see our emails there. You'll see our social media accounts there as well. So please go check that out and interact with us. We really do love hearing from you guys. Feel free to slide in our DMs, ask us questions, give us feedback. We really do appreciate it. And on that note. Wait. Don't forget to tell a friend. Okay, and now. No, on that note. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripps Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.